Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Earn Fun Average Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Prophet, coming to you from Wichita, Kansas. And with me, as always, I have Johnny Boland from the New Orleans Baby Cakes Memorial Museum and Podcast Communication Center. Well, Johnny, we have a very special guest today, and it's going to be a really fun to talk here. We have Frank Adams Jr. How are you, Frank? I'm doing well, guys. How are y'all? Doing Good. great. Appreciate you Good. joining us. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit here about the Negro Southern League Museum today. Frank, can you tell us a little bit about what you do for them? Well, I am the deputy director at the museum. I started my tenure serving in August of last year, but I'm a lifelong baseball fan. So this is dream come true for me to go to work every day and see some of the greats in the Negro League and even some of the, the modern guys who have connections to the Negro League. So uh, I'm very excited about being in my role and uh, sharing my love of baseball with our guests. I love it. I appreciate you giving us a little background there. And Frank, one of the segments we do is we like talking about what hats we're wearing. Can you tell all of our listeners what hat you have today? Well, I happen to have the best hat that you could possibly wear if you're a baseball <laughs> fan, if you really support underdogs and you like hapless losers. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm wearing the, the Chicago Cubs hat. And uh, this hat's special to me because it was given to me as a gift from one of my relatives. Uh, who actually is a New York Yankees fan, but uh, late in life was converted to being a Cubs fan. So she saw the light and uh, converted <laughs> me when I was younger. And I've always been a Cubs fan since then. <laughs> awesome. Well, you guys did have 2016 when you won it all. So at least you've won it a little bit recent, more recent than I'm a Royals fan. And they, they won the year before that yeah. in 2015. So at least you have a somewhat recent World Series. Well, you know, we're always excited because it's always next year. <laughs> and so, you know, I think I think we had our moment of sun. We're going to come back and we're going to do some great things. We've got some great arms and, you know, we've got Rossi in the dugout. So uh, you can't help but be excited with him as your manager. Yes, definitely. I think you guys picked up what Dansby Swanson, among others, this offseason. So yeah. you're, you'll yeah. get there. I, I always enjoy yeah. the Cubs. I've been to Wrigley, I think, about three or four times. So I always enjoy going up and seeing them. And, of yeah. course, they were a team that you could watch on TV locally, pretty much anywhere you were at growing up. So they were always on my yeah. TV. I don't mind yeah. the Cubs WGN. at all. Yep. Yeah, WGN in, in Birmingham is one of the first games I ever saw professionally. And so fell in love back then. But, you know, Wrigley feels special. It, it's no, you know, it's no Rickwood feel, but it's still a special place. Yes, definitely. And Mr. Bullen, what hat do you have today? Well, in honor of our guest, I'm wearing the hometown in the beautiful, beautiful colors of the mighty Blazers of UAB, the Birmingham Barons B-Ham hat, where they incorporated the uh, old Chicago White Sox, I think they called him Batterman logo, the old White Sox 80s logo, merged them together. Love this, uh, love this hat, love the colors. I'm in full UAB gear tonight uh, as we're recording this NIT Final Four game tomorrow night. So let's go. Sharp looking hat there, Mr. Bolin. And uh, myself, I'm wearing a Kansas City Monarchs hat. I'm about three hours south of Kansas City. And the Royals occasionally will play once or twice a year as the old school Kansas City Monarchs. And then, of course, in the American Association of Independent Professional Baseball, the Kansas City T-Bones have rebranded now to the Kansas City Monarchs. So I try to get up there and see the Royals and the Monarchs play quite a bit. It's a red hat. I uh, got the KC, kind of the old school KC interlock and white letters on it. So I got my Monarchs hat on today. That's awesome. Well, Frank, can you tell us a little bit more? Um, just tell us a little bit about the museum there. So it's uh, basically connected to Regions Field or just kind of right behind Regions Field where the Birmingham Barons play now. Tell us a little bit, just give an uh, overview of the museum itself. Well, the museum is actually in left field 
of Regions Field if you're looking at home plate. And in 2015, the city of Birmingham partnered with the Center for Negro League Baseball Research, which is based right outside of Dallas, and opened the museum. And so the museum is really dedicated to baseball through Birmingham's eyes, uh, specifically the Negro Leagues. And what a lot of people don't know about the museum is that we celebrate and recognize the greats who actually came through the Industrial League. And the Industrial League was an organization, and I think there's still some legacy teams around today, that gave opportunity to Hank Aaron and Willie Mays and Satchel Page and others to go on to the Negro Leagues. The Industrial Leagues were really teams founded by the heavy industry that was in Birmingham. After the Civil War, so many big mining companies and steel companies came to Birmingham that the city sprung out of the ground like magic. Hence why the city of Birmingham is called the Magic City. And each of these industries, the Sipco and Sloss Furnace and all these other companies, had baseball teams. And these were guys who worked in the mills and worked in the mines and worked in the steel factories by day and played baseball at night. And so there were white teams and there were black teams. And these black teams were evidently very, very, very good uh, based on the reports that we've seen in the article. So good that the players were recruited to play in the Negro League. Willie Mays out of Fairfield, who worked for some of these companies, uh, was that good. And so it was almost like a minor league for the Negro League. And so the museum celebrates Birmingham's unique space uh, in the pantheon of baseball and also really focuses on how a lot of players came to the Negro Leagues, uh, were probably good enough to play in the majors, but never got that chance. And so a lot of people think about Hank Aaron, or they think about Willie Mays, or they think about Jackie Robinson, who integrated Major League Baseball in 1947. But there were so many great players locally, like Piper Davis, for instance, who were great players. They were really community-oriented. And like Satchel Page, understood the entertainment value of baseball. Baseball was much more connected to the audience back then. A lot of players interacted with the fans. Players interacted with other players. And it was more of a carnival setting and a really a community thing. You, you brought your own meals. You, you had picnics at games. And it was really a way to bring both the white and the black community together. And so the museum's purpose is to really celebrate and recognize uh, the great baseball that was being played here in Birmingham and also those great players who went on to play nationally in the Negro League. I love that. I appreciate you sharing. And uh, just a question about you. So, you know, you mentioned you're a you know, big time baseball fan and mm-hmm. you started this, what'd you say, last year um, with your mm-hmm. deputy director. Um, had you mm-hmm. done any other work in sports or anything or kind of what led you to doing this then? Well, in addition to being a baseball fan, I remember the first time I actually went to the baseball game. I was about eight years old and I rode my bike from Bush Hills, which is close to Birmingham Southern here in Birmingham, to Rickwood Field. And I remember the magic of going to Rickwood Field, the, the electric atmosphere uh, that field generated at that time, and just seeing uh, so many people there and so energized about seeing a game. Because if you go to Rickwood Field, especially when I went back in the, the late 70s and early 80s, um, it was just the thing to do. It was a great place to watch a game. And I, I fell in love with the game at that point. And so over time, just being a baseball fan, uh, being interested in it, you know, having my son, who is a 14-year-old pitcher, freshman pitcher, just having that kind of love for the game. When the opportunity was presented to me, it was something I just had to jump at and take because it was just a, a wonderful opportunity to go and celebrate baseball, work around uh, the greats of, of Negro League baseball. And many of those players still come to the museum and visit and just to hear their stories, you know, just to hear uh, the legendary duels between some of these greats and uh, how excited they are that Major League Baseball decided to incorporate their stats. 
Uh, I know there were some holes in the stats and every different league kept their their stats differently. But just to hear those stories, just to hear about the legendary feats. And, you know, it, it wouldn't be baseball if someone didn't come in and tell this impossible story of, you know, a guy hitting a 600-foot home run or someone who threw 10 shutout uh, games and, and, you know, no hitters and those kinds of things. So it is really a, I'd say it's a temple for baseball in a lot of ways because we're celebrating uh, not only those great players of the past, but also we're talking about players who came into the modern league, modern era, like Bo Jackson and, and even Michael Jordan, who has a connection here in Birmingham, and others who really uh, pushed the game forward, and also the next generation. Uh, the museum is very excited to partner with local agencies and organizations to uh, help the next generation of player understand their connection to the past and how important this game is to all of us. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, my brother and I had a chance to go on a baseball trip last summer and we were able to get down to uh, Alabama and we went to game in uh, Montgomery and then we did get to see a couple games in Birmingham and then up in Hunt. Well, I guess no longer Huntsville, but where the tr- uh, trash pandas play. But mm-hmm. uh, we did get a chance to get over to see the museum. And then we also got a chance to go into Rickwood Field. Unfortunately, there wasn't a game being played because I know it's kind of sparse right now. Any games being played there. But I had a lot mm-hmm. of fun just walking around and seeing that just old historic ballpark from what, 1910, I believe. And just yeah. to see and just kind of get that old time feel there. So I had a lot of fun when I got that opportunity. So I'm really glad that even though I didn't get to see a game, just to walk around, sit in the stands, just get that atmosphere of seeing what it was like back all the way for, you know, well over 100 years and kind of what that atmosphere was like. Well, baseball at Rickwood Field, like Wrigley and to some extent Fenway Park, is very intimate. At Rickwood, you're right there. There's no fence. There's no net separating you from the players. Uh, And they're doing a lot of work out at Rickwood Field to make it more compliant with modern MLB rules. But uh, you're part of the game. And there are a lot of photos that you probably saw during your visit to the NSLM where you saw uh, people actually standing along the baselines. There were, there were no fences. There were no barriers separating the fans from the field. And I think that's a, a much more intimate version of baseball. So that's why people really gravitate towards a Rickford field or a Wrigley or a Fenway or any of the old great fields like the old Yankee Stadium before the new ones built. Uh, you felt like you were part of the action and that you were in it with your team. And so that's the electrifying aspect that you can get from baseball that you can't get from football and you can't really get from basketball in a lot of ways. I know you can sit courtside in basketball, but it's different when you're in a baseball game and and a guy hits a shot down the line and, you know, you bring in a couple of runs. There's an um, electricity in the air that's hard to duplicate in other sports. Yes, definitely. Well, you know, Frank, that's interesting you mentioned your first game was at Rickwood. So was mine as a kid. And I remember we went to go see Bo Jackson when he was with the Memphis Chicks on his way <laughs> to the Kansas City Royals. And I remember there's why I remember that besides it being at Rickwood and like you to the electricity, you know, to a kid, you know, that was a huge deal. And I can remember my dad asking me, hey, do you want anything to eat? And I said, sure. He said, well, here's some money. Go get it. And <laughs> and I can remember this so vividly and how embarrassed I was. I tripped and put and, and poured nachos on the Baron's mascot, Frank, Wiki Wood. <laughs> and, and, and I can remember coming back and he said, what happened to the food? And I was like, well, I slipped and there yeah. was the God, you know. <laughs> And, uh, nachos that yeah. night for, for Wiki Wood. Wow. I wanted to ask you a couple questions. First, 
What do you think is the most popular exhibit at the museum? You know, I'd say the most popular, based on my tenure so far, has to be the Satchel Page hologram. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That the museum has. You know, Satchel Page captures the imagination very easily for even a casual baseball fan. He's a guy who was immensely talented. And everyone who, who ever watched a baseball game or understood the game knows that he should have played in the MLB. And the really great stories about him, as I mentioned earlier, interacting with the fans, actually going over and talking to fans and grabbing some popcorn out of a fan's bucket and say, hey, I'm going to throw this guy, my midnight rider, some of the other pitches that he named, and then go back and do it. Uh, the stories of him yelling at the players and saying, hey, I'm going to throw you my hesitation pitch, and the guy still can't hit it. Th those legends are just amazing. And the fact that he was able to produce uh, as a player as long as he did, as we all know, the, the Braves signed him when he was in his, his late 50s, early 60s, uh, so that he could get a pension. But he was still able to sling it. You know, he was still able to play at a high level. And I think when people come to the museum and it's not a hologram of actual Mr. Page, it's an actor who has his same body dimensions. Um, it's fascinating because it's like you're traveling back in time. And we love seeing the kids line up to see if they could hit Satchel Page. And oh, yeah. I think that is probably something that captures the imagination and really connects people back to the history uh, of Negro League Baseball. And I had a young person come just last week, said he can't wait to play Satchel Page on MLB The Show 2023 <laughs> uh, because the, the game will now incorporate Negro League players. And, you know, for him to be able to see a guy that's mimicking Satchel Page and say that he wants to play him uh, in his game, that, that's very rewarding. And also, I think the next exhibit that really garners a lot of attention is the Sam Harrison exhibit, which is one of our newest exhibits. Uh, Mr. Harrison, it, it was someone who grew up in West Birmingham and by all accounts was a great player, ended up being one of the first black coaches for the Barons and never made it to the MLB. Uh, another one of those guys who, who people said he could he could actually play and, and do well in MLB. But Mr. Harrison had three generations after him that actually played in the MLB, you know, his sons and, and his grandson. And they were all great players. And I think the fascination that people have about that exhibit is that it shows the connection between the, what we call the old baseball and new baseball, you know, the, the era, old era and the new era. And a lot of families really gravitate around that. We'll have older folks who may be grandparents. <clears throat> Granddad will come in with his grandson and they'll talk about his day when he played baseball in high school or Little League and, you know, how he wants his grandson to go in, and play and, and, and the connection there and becomes a more familial event. Outside of that, I think the other exhibit that really people spend a lot of time looking at is we have over 1,600 signed baseballs. In oh, the yeah. Museum. They're located in an area that we call the dugout. And it feels and looks like a dugout. It's towards the front of the, the museum. And I think seeing those names on those balls really connects people uh, to how popular the game of baseball was at the end of the 19th century and on into the 20th century. Unfortunately, the Negro Leagues basically declined and became defunct in the early 60s. Right after Jackie Robinson in 1947 integrated, there was a shift in, in fandom, if you will. Uh, people started to look at national teams and MLB teams because they started to have more players uh, that they related to. More players were being pulled up after uh, Mr. Robinson. And so the interest level 
in Negro League baseball declined, unfortunately. The Industrial League stayed around. Uh, there's still some legacy Industrial League teams today. But I think those exhibits are the ones that really, 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 really capture the imagination. Now, one exhibit that I think where I, I would like for people to spend more time really taking a look at, actually, there are two. The, the exhibit we have for Rube Foster, uh, if you don't know anything about Rube Foster, he was a guy who was a, a power hitter in his day, but he was also the gentleman that had to create the Negro Leagues, what we consider the Negro Leagues. Because there are a lot of independent teams, there are a lot of different regional organizations, uh, some in the Caribbean, some up north, some out east, some out west. And he helped to bring all those different organizations under an umbrella. And he was very outspoken in supporting players because, as you can imagine, during those days, it was very difficult for players to travel uh, because of race. It was very difficult for players to uh, actually get compensated because you would come in, you play games, and you get paid that night. And sometimes the organizers didn't have all their money together. And so he was very, very conscientious and about getting players organized, treating them with respect, the respect that they didn't often receive on the road and, and in different venues, and making sure that um, people understood they were seeing some of the best players in the world. We are in the process of actually opening a Women in the Negro Leagues exhibit. We have an early display. We have a, a collection of, of photographs and we have a collection of, of memorabilia, but it's going to be a permanent exhibit in the museum. If you've ever seen a league of their own, think of the fact that there was an African-American version of that. And uh, there were a lot of women who, who played great ball. Uh, Jackie Robinson helped a few of those with their game. And that's a very important exhibit that's emerging in the museum. And I think that's something that really connects uh, women and young girls to the game in a different way. Yeah, I've been fortunate to visit the museum twice. and We went January of last year. And, and I have to say what you started with, that satchel page pitch simulator is, well, the first time we went, the technology blew me away. Like, wow, how cool is this? You know, it's unlike anything I'd ever seen. It still fascinates me. And and I'm like a kid. I'm, I'm playing when I was there. <laughs> yeah, I'm playing with it. The different pitches come in, and yeah. it, it just is is fascinating. Yeah. And my other question was, what would be the dream item if money was no object? What would be the dream item that you you guys would like to see at the museum to have displayed at the museum? Mm. Well, you know, before I answer that, I, I have to share with you one of our benefactors, Dr. Leighton Ravel, is the gentleman that founded the Center for Negro League Baseball Research. And that is the research arm of our museum. What makes us unique is that we are able to do original research. So if you came in or someone came in and said, hey, I think my great grandfather or my grandfather played for the Kansas City Monarchs or the Newark Eagles or, you know, the Birmingham Black Barons. We're able to research to find out if that is correct and hopefully some stats that go along with the player's career. And the reason I mentioned Dr. Ravel is because all of the exhibits that we show in the museum are owned by him. He's a retired physician who had a friend who played Negro League baseball, and he literally fell in love with Negro League baseball and went about spending a lot of time and a lot of resources collecting these items, some from living players, some from player families, and just collecting so many items that we were able to open the museum uh, here in Birmingham. And then Mayor Langford and then Mayor Bell and Mayor Woodfin all really believed in what we were doing. Now, in terms of an item, he is literally one of the most knowledgeable individuals around about authenticity 
authenticity of of it, of items, the the value of items. You know, when this item was used, what specific games this ball was uh, hit, you know, a home run or a bat or those kinds of things. And so, if I were able to just get anything without any limitations, you know, I, I think that if we were able to get you know, maybe something from Jackie Robinson's last season, you know, something, maybe his, his uniform or, you know, maybe his glove or, or something that was used. And that's another thing that I must add about the museum is that 98% of the items that you see in the museum are authentic. They are authentic game used uniforms. In fact, some of the uniforms you might've noticed have holes in the knees. That's because they were used during games, the bats, the balls, the, the gloves, all the equipment, all of those items are authentic. And so we would want to get something from Jackie Robinson's last season that he actually used. Because um, if you look at it, he, he he ushered in a new era. You know, he was the first to say that he wasn't the best player, but that he was the right player for the time. And I think that, you know, we always focus on the beginning of, of a player's career and the high point of the career, but we rarely talk about when that person transitions to the next generation. And I think that would be a, a wonderful addition to our museum's collection. That would be, yeah, that would be incredible. And I think one exhibit that might get overlooked, which is fascinating to me, that Brooklyn Dodgers exhibit you guys have got mm. there. Like me, you get caught on Satchel Page, but they're right there, mm. you know. <laughs> the stadium seats from a lot mm. of the ballparks, mm. that's a great feature. As yeah. well, uh, we were there last January, and I'm hearing Red Barber over the PA. <laughs> what a nice little touch, you know. You yeah. felt like yeah. you were in Brooklyn, you know, with with uh, with seeing all that. And uh, I, I, as Eric said earlier, we both just absolutely love the museum. I, I I don't get to Birmingham a ton. If I can, I always try to factor in getting getting a chance. And that's exciting about the new exhibit that will be opening up. Have there been any plans to do like a mobile museum? You know, that is a great question. We do go to different events. Uh, in fact, we're going to have an exhibit at a Trash Pandas game probably in the summer. And that is that is definitely an area that we want to explore. The issue for us is our collections are so valuable. Uh, many of them are priceless and uniforms can decay and you know, have to properly maintain these items and keep them at a constant temperature. You don't want them to, to erode and decay and those kinds of things. And so what we're doing now is really taking a look at our inventory on what we can have rotate through different museums, different stadiums, and and have them there for some time so that individuals can come and really enjoy and see and, and take part of, of the exhibits in a, in a real personal way. Also, uh, virtual exhibits is, are an area that we're exploring. How do you bring in people who are interested in these items and this history in a virtual way? And so the museum is continuing to look at ways to broaden its reach into the community, especially the baseball community, and developing a much more robust relationship with Major League Baseball and other entities to make sure that these items are seen um, not just as relics of the past, but tell a story that is very important to us today. Uh, how baseball brings communities together, how it binds us, how it's something that's uh, transgenerational, if you will. You have grandparents and and grandkids and great grandkids who who cheer their teams and enjoy being at the ballpark or enjoy talking about baseball. And so being able to have mobile exhibits and being able to bring in people virtually is definitely an area that we're working through. 
and hopefully we'll have some some new opportunities before the end of this year. Well, Frank, one of the segments we do is the profit and loss, and the profit something you've gained or earned, whether that's by being able to work at the Negro Southern Leagues Museum or by being a fan of the Cubs, any profit or just a baseball fan in general, any profit or gain you can think of? Yeah, I think the profit that I've gotten in my role is seeing how a community community can value folks who are left behind or ignored or or not necessarily recognized for their accomplishments. Uh, we have so many wonderful folks who come and visit the museum of all races and, and ethnicities, and it's all about baseball. And it's also about community. It's about what binds us rather than what divides us. And baseball is one of those unique opportunities for us to come together as a community and celebrate what's right with us instead of focusing on what's wrong with us. So having an opportunity to go there every day and be amongst the greats, I can actually feel their presence in the museum when it's quiet and no one's there. And I can hear them saying thank you. I can hear them saying thank you for allowing us to be in a space of our own, to be recognized for not only just great players, but to be recognized as, as people who contributed and mattered. And that's something that um, I profit from every day. I love that answer. I appreciate your sharing that. Now, the reverse side, the flip side is the loss. You know, since the Cubs traded away, Bryant, Rizzo, <laughs> Baez, all their big stars over the last few years. Anything along those lines or any loss you can think Man, of? Listen, I'm a Cubs fan, so I'm used to disappointment. And I'm used to uh, coming up short. And I'm used to not achieving our goals. But, you know, I'm eternally I'm, I'm, I'm an optimist because of it. And I have an outlook that we're going to do better. And that's why, you know, we always say there's next year. And so, you know, being a Cubs fan is is very, very challenging, but it's also rewarding because we know it can only get better from where we are. <laughs> Definitely. Well, Frank, it's been an absolute pleasure. We really enjoyed having you on with us and talking about the Negro mm -hmm. Southern Leagues Museum. Do you have the website and do you know the social media handles that people can follow along with the museum? Sure. That's all on our, our website, NSLM, Birmingham, NSLM.org. And, you know, we've got all the socials, we've got all of that. And we are a, a, a public institution, but uh, we do accept kindly and, and um, gratefully accept donations. Well, if you guys get the opportunity and you go out there and you get down to Birmingham, make sure you check out the ne Negro Southern Leagues Museum. Obviously, it's right there where the Birmingham Barons play. So make sure you go check out a Barons game while you're there and go over. Typically, Rickwood's open where you can go around and check that out. So get over to Rickwood if there's not a game or even if there is. Make sure you check that out. And then, of course, if you're up in Kansas City, you can see the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum up there as well to see some of the artifacts and history up there as well in the Kansas City market. But, Frank, just one more time, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time today. Hey, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. And Mr. Bowling, can you take us out, please, sir? Sure. America, lower your standards. Average is what these guys do best. 